All right, today in the office, we have Mike Joyce from VMware. Mike, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, thanks for inviting me. Do you wanna tell us a little bit about yourself before we get started? Sure, so I'm the person who speaks the most about vSphere Plus and our partner community. I'm the Amer, or America's lead for partner enablement for vSphere Plus and have lots of conversations around vSphere Plus. One thing I'll observe, or state up front is, is you can start in many different points of context with vSphere Plus and go down different talk tracks. So while I'll try to be all-encompassing in this one, uh, I would encourage everybody to have a call to action to reach out to your VMware rep to uh, learn more. That's perfect. I have faith in you with all your answers, but also, yes, reach <laughs> out to your VMware rep for more. <laughs> all right, Mike, I am going to start off with the first question of what is vSphere Plus and how does it differ from the offering many customers have today with their vCenter and vSphere? Uh, that's a great question. Good place to start. And I'll, I'll, I'll answer that by breaking it into two parts. And I use, I'll use the term features and financial. And I'd like to start with financial for, for this first part. Um, I would say that I've, uh, not only do I talk to a lot of uh, partners in our channel, I also talk to a lot of our sales reps and in some cases customers. And I get feedback for the last year on what's been seen as being successful. And one of those things is the fact that uh, customers are purchasing vSphere Plus for the financial benefits and the financial aspects of that. So I'll start by saying that uh, you know we're moving from perpetual to subscription licensing, and that means customers are moving from buying and owning software to effectively renting the software. This has uh, a few benefits that I'll highlight right now. First is the lower cost of entry, low, lower barrier to entry. And that is kind of driven on cloud economics, this idea that you know, building a data center with a bunch of infrastructure and buying software and, and building that to serve your internal IT needs you know, compared to moving to an infrastructure as a service provider and swiping a credit card. That gives you an example of the difference between lower barriers to entry. And by the way, you're you know, the customers or organizations competition has the same ability to do that as well. So the lower barriers to entry is something that our customers are seeing. And again, stems from cloud economics. And I'm going to use a term right now, one to many, right? Not one too many, but one too many, yeah. uh, which I'll uh, come back and talk about in a minute. The other one, the other, another one is a predictability for planning purposes. This budgeting cycle for acquiring software and hardware. You know, you have much more, what would you say, peaks and valleys if you're going to do perpetual and purchasing capital expenditures. You might see the first year being pretty high in terms of cost, the second one lower, much lower, and the third year might be a little bit higher because you're growing, and the fourth year you might see renewal or more. And so this idea of planning around budgeting for financial reasons is more unpredictable in capital expenditure perpetual buying. On the subscription side, it's much more predictable. If I had these charts to show you, you could see this straight line almost that, that shows the predictability of subscription purchasing over time. And that actually helps sellers if they talk to organizations um, about what their needs are. They'll have a much better idea because they'll have had some experience on subscription buying over time and then the variability of that. And the third one is the ability to measure performance of an organization with perpetual it's CapEx, as we talked about, and the purchase of the software is amortized over a period of time. That period of time is called useful life. This could be five or ten years, and it's treated literally like land and buildings and financial documents. The analogy I like to use is a football stadium is not a good measure of the performance of a football team. The best measurements are those things that uh, cost the company to operate the business. 
and those are operational expenses, or we call it OPEX. So by moving to subscription, we move the cost of using software into OPEX. It's a much better way. There's a financial term called EBITDA, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. And organizations like to report using EBITDA because it excludes the football stadium and only focuses on the performance of the team based on earnings and costs associated with running a business. So those are the three things on the financial side. Lower barriers to entry, more predictable financial planning, and better measurement of performance. And then on the feature side we have of the conversation, we take the industry-leading virtualization stack and connect it to the VMware cloud and opening the door to many cloud benefits that legacy vSphere doesn't have access to. We do this with a VMware cloud gateway appliance that we call it. It's a VM running on a vCenter and it connects the vCenters to the cloud and the cloud-based management interface giving you a total view of your vCenter estate. So VMware's plan is to become a SaaS and subscription company. And right now we're approximately one-third of the way is based on uh, total revenue and then what's coming from SaaS and subscription. Mm -hmm. So our path is to go to 100% SaaS and subscription, as far as I can tell. So we have two-thirds of the way to get there. So as far as what we're going to do to be able to move in that direction more rapidly is still to be determined, right? A lot of, lot of things will be determined. But at this point, we're moving rapidly in that direction. And that sounds amazing. Uh, we talked about the financial benefits. Let's talk about uh, more benefits or even cloud benefits if you have any. So vSphere Perpetual runs on-prem. vSphere Plus runs on-prem and has a cloud gateway that takes you out to the VMware cloud. And then in the VMware cloud is the customer's cloud console. And, and then in that cloud console, they'll have the ability to look across their VMware estate, their vCenters, and manage it from one user interface. So they'll have access to the cloud console and then have access to their vCenters where they can see uh, inventory, performance, uh, they can get notifications and warnings, right, and then do lifecycle management. So in that cloud gateway, we'll have those kinds of features and more if I've missed a few. And then from also when you get into the cloud console, you'll, the customers will be able to see other services that are offered by VMware. And so organizations with vSphere Plus will have first mover advantage on those services because they'll see them first and be able to demo them. And should they like them and integrate into the VMware vSphere stack, be able to call their partners and acquire them through the partners. So those are some of the things about the cloud console. Awesome. These benefits have definitely piqued my interest. And my next question after this would be, what does the process look like for our customers who are interested in trying to migrate from Perpetual to vSphere Plus? Sure. The, the process, we, we, have a, we have a couple. First of all, uh, one of the biggest differences is that the Perpetual has keys. The subscription does not have keys. So customers will relinquish their keys at some point as they move to vSphere Plus. So it's a keyless environment. The other thing is, is we have uh, what we call SUP, we, uh, it's Subscription Upgrade Program. It's a SKU. We have two types of SKUs. We have Net New SKU and we have a Subscription Upgrade SKU. So customers would use that Subscription Upgrade SKU to sort of calibrate how many cores they have per CPU and figure out what their conversion is, right, and then acquire the software through this Subscription Upgrade SKU, which is, a, I would say, kind of roughly 50% of the Net New SKU. Mm -hmm. With it being a keyless environment, like you said, my first thought is this is going to be easier for them. Is, is that the goal? Yeah, there's definitely some complications when you run into a key environment, you know, keeping track of the keys. And, and then at the end when the, 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 the SNS expires and all of a sudden your keys are, are expired, now you have to deal right. with a situation where you have to rem remediate that, right? So now we don't do that. You just simply keep, 
subscribing to vSphere Plus. Sounds great. Yeah. I want to also go back to the cloud benefit. And this is something that I like to talk about because I'm an old, right? So <laughs> I worked for a large insurance company and I release code into their environment. You know, I'm familiar with the fact that there are different organizational units inside of of an organization, right? So, and each one might have its own budget, uh, and and so they might acquire their own vSphere and then have their own vSphere estate. And so, what happens in larger organizations is you might have decentralized purchasing, you might have vCenters that are deployed that have different versions. Maybe they're modernizing their environment and spending less time worrying about VMware, and they're in version six or five something, right? Or there might be another organization with seven. So what happens is, over time, you lose trust in that VMware estate. IT loses trust from their internal customers. So if we can get all of those vCenters connected to a, a single user interface, and then through a, a process to, to bring all those vCenters up to speed, then we'll, we'll gain that trust in that environment again. So through that lifecycle management feature of the Cloud Gateway, Right, we'll be able to now manage and operate and, and perform lifecycle management services to all those vCenters. So, so customers, especially large organizations, really like this idea of having a single pane of glass into all their vCenters. And it allows VMware to take some of those mundane and repetitive tasks that the VI admins do and then allow the VI admin to use some of the integrated features to then connect with other areas of modernization like DevOps and FinOps and CloudOps and SecOps. And I know we haven't talked about that yet, but hopefully we will. And then the last thing I'll say on this topic, which this is where I get excited, this is a Kubernetes compliance stack. So imagine 500,000 VMware customers that are using vCenter and vSphere and imagine all those 500,000 customers connecting through the cloud gateway into, into our environment. Now, if you're a Kubernetes person, like you understand DevOps and CICD, we have a CICD pipeline for vSphere Plus, which means we can, uh, we can deploy code rapidly, daily, if you will, hourly, and so we can keep the environment all refreshed and up to date across that, our 500,000 customer base. And so they will benefit from being up to speed, if you will, in their environments because of our ability and our CI/CD pipeline to deliver benefits to the customers with new features and patches and, and so forth. And they'll have transparency mm -hmm. to see what we've done and be able to roll it back to. Moving to vSource Plus sounds like a cleaner, more easier, user-friendly experience for the environment is what you're t telling me, or what I'm hearing. I think it is, yeah. I mean, the Cloud Gateway, I've, I've done the demo. I recommend everybody doing the demo, and I've walked through the, the process of uh, installing the Cloud Gateway. It's uh, several clicks, if you will, right, uh, to download and connect and, and make it happen, and then uh, seeing what you can do in the Cloud Gateway through, through the customer portal. And on the, on the partner side, we have something called Cloud Partner Navigator. So those partners of record that sold the subscription to the customer will see those subscriptions in the Cloud Partner Navigator. So, so we'll move from a, a selling of vSphere, right, in the CapEx, you know, selling, buying type model, to now servicing a subscription, and we, use more, we move into what we call consumption economics. So the engagement that we're gonna have is through these subscriptions and these licenses that people will have, you know, they'll, they'll see so partners of record will be able to see when it's activated, when it comes to uh, an end, 
right? And they're not going to call them when it comes to an end. They're going to call them as necessary to show them the new services that can be integrated and expanded upon. So it's a consumption model. And I, I call it, you know, the, this cloud gateway with a CPN and, uh, is going to be an intimate customer relationship. And that sounds great for our customers. With talking about the process, my next question for this would, what version do customers need to be running? And are there any system requirements? Yeah, I, this this doesn't usually roll off my tongue, but I'll I'll look at uh, I'll look at the page seven dot zero u three g for vCenter and then seven uh, x for ESXi. So we need to make sure that you know our our partners are aware of this and engage with customers to make sure that their services are enrolled to bring customers up to uh, these these versions so that the customers can then use the lifecycle management and do a rapid deployment of vSphere Plus. So if they're before those versions, we're going to need our partners to go in there and upgrade to those levels. The other thing is that there are some, uh, for the gateway appliance, you know, we need uh, like eight virtual CPUs and 28 gigabyte of memory, 190 gigabyte of storage and so forth. So there's, there's some technical specs and then Sometimes I get asked a question, what, tell me more about this cloud gateway. You know, it's not connected directly to the internet, so we need certain ports like 443 and some other ports that are open so they can do some firewalls and encryption. It's a pretty secure environment, so there's some secure specifications on security that uh, go into in implementing the, the VMware vCenter cloud gateway. Well, that actually was my next question, addressing any security concerns, but it does sound like that covers it, unless you have more. Well, I'll just add, because it does come up in almost every sales uh, process. You know, this is why we recommend getting engaged in the sales process earlier rather than later, right? right. So 90, 120 days in advance. So some, sometimes the CISO shows up, and, you know, who's the CISO, Right. Uh, if you're a renewals person. So the renewals person who's trying to convert this to a subscription needs to work with their sales organization to make sure that the right pre-sales person with the security experience has an opportunity to talk to the CISO because they're going to talk about this cloud gateway. Hey, you're putting the cloud gateway in my environment. It's going out to a cloud. What else is going out there, right? So we have documentation on, on like putting in a single uh, firewall or a dual firewall, you know, kind of boxing it in with firewalls. We talk about the ports, like 443, which is the industry standard uh, encrypted ports. This is where there's a key that encrypts it before it sends. It's then encrypted in flight and then decoded with another key on the other end. So if you ever use your smartphone to access your bank account on your phone, that's using 443. So this is what everybody uses to encrypt traffic. We don't send anything like uh, passwords or customer data. This is kind of a shared responsibility model. It means the customer manages their ESXi and all their data and applications and backing it up and so forth. We're not managing that. We're managing the vCenter. And so we're managing our side, customer manages their side, and we're not touching their data. So um, what we do send back and forth are like logs, like for familiar with the ARIA stack. So we realize logs, right? So the logs get sent back and forth. So we have the health and well-being of the environment constantly getting sent back and forth. And then, and then if we have to, you know, download a new version, if they're going to go to eight dot whatever or nine something in the future, we'll use a port to communicate that as well. But yeah, good question on security. Besides listening to that podcast and learning the useful information this way, is there any way the customers will learn all the information about security before purchasing? 
Yeah, the, um, so I wish I could give everybody the link, but there's a link that has all the material necessary to understand the security part of deploying the vCenter GLAC gateway. And I've read the document. It, again, having read all this stuff, it, you know, it, it says here's how you would implement it with one uh, firewall, here's how you would implement it with two firewalls, right? And, and so it goes into pretty careful detail on, on how to deploy it. That's perfect. Yeah. Uh, my next question would be, would be for today. Are there any incent incentives for customers to make the switch today beyond the new features and capabilities that vSphere Plus offers? There are. Um, I'll, I'll say on the partner side, so traditionally these, these are renewal motions, and renewals are not what I would call deal regible. So for partners, because this is what we call a conversion from perpetual to subscription, it's considered net new business. We're, we're actually showing it as renewals and that new business inside of VMware and partners should follow the same model. And that means that the salespeople should get engaged and when they do get engaged they uh, should um, deal reg these opportunities. So if these proactive quotes that come across via the distributor uh, come to the hands of renewals people at, 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 at partners they should get them over to the salespeople so that they submit for ORAN and then get the ad plus discount. So for the, there are benefits to the partners. Now for the customers, uh, we talked about subscription upgrade and I gotta get into a little bit of detail on this. So uh, as we talked about subscription upgrade, the unit cost is approximately half. It's not exactly half I, and I don't know whether I'm plus or minus 5% on either way, but, but it's, uh, there's an advantage to subscription upgrade. So we're giving a conversion discount going from perpetual to subscription. So if you've been a, a customer for perpetual and now you're moving to subscription, we will give you a discount on, on, the, uh, on, on, the, on the cost. Um, the other thing that we're doing is, uh, we're, this is based on cores per CPU. So if you've got a CPU with 16 cores, you will come across from perpetual to subscription paying for 16 cores. Uh, it's a minimum of 16 cores. So if you have an eight core, CPU, you'll be paying 16 cores. So it is a minimum 16 cores. It's following the same licensing model that we had for Perpetual that we made changes to many years ago. So it follows that minimum 16, maximum 32. So if you have 24 cores, or let's just say we'll take it up to 32 cores, if a customer has a 32 core CPU, this SUP SKU uh, only charges for the first 16 cores. The next 16 cores on a 32 server, 32 core CPU, uh, is not charged for the first subscription period. So let's make sure I say this the right way and you hear it the right way. 32 core CPU going from perpetual to subscription, using a sub-SKU will charge for only the first 16 cores. The next 16 of the 32 core CPU is free for the first subscription period, whether it be one, three, or five year. And you have to make sure those free cores are documented. We have to know that those are the free cores. If you don't document the free cores, they are not gonna come across as free cores. And we don't wanna get into that. We can't kind of retroactively fix it. So there's a KB article um, that talks about counting cores, using a script to count the cores and print out the cores, and then uh, and then and then clicks and instructions on how to uh, document the free cores in that process. That sounds great. With all this process, does VMware offer any white glove services to help customers onboard to vSphere Plus in these new cloud connected services? You know they do. I, I 
personally would prefer to have the partner of record provide those white glove services, right? This is, the, the, it's not necessarily a services intense process when the, when the organization is up to the minimum requirements, the seven dot, what I said. Because it's, it's an email, they open it up, they download the cloud gateway, they install it, they connect the vCenters to the cloud gateway, right? The cloud gateways connect to the VMware cloud. And in the demo, it looks very simple to do. However, yes, we do have those services. And, and oftentimes customers will inquire and, and ask for those types of services. But many of those services are, are focused on getting the environment ready for deployment of vSphere Plus. And I personally would rather have uh, partners be involved in that. But if the customer wants it, yeah, we have the, those services. Great. Um, how much lead time before renewal would a customer need to be set up for success? That's a great question. I spent a lot of time talking about this with partners. Originally, we said 90 days, and now we're saying 120 days. Now, we can't get a quote, a renewal quote, or I mean a, a subscription upgrade quote until the 90-day period. But if we get to the 90-day period and we're in a renewals motion, and then we have to connect to sales and then pre-sales, and then we uncover obstacles along the way, issues that we have to resolve, that 90-day period really shrinks quickly, right? So we're encouraging people to get in front of the, uh, the process 120 days prior to SNS expiration, knowing you can't get a quote until 90 days. But at 120 days, you can engage the, the organization in many different conversations. We talked about security, but this, this is based on Kubernetes, and we expose a Kubernetes runtime in vSphere Plus. And we can build out that Kubernetes runtime with Tanzu. So vSphere Plus has integration with Tanzu and then can be built out more with Tanzu. And customers can choose their Kubernetes platform to be Tanzu. And VI admins can set up capabilities, self-service capabilities. So these DevOps guys, these, these cats that are different than regular IT, right? These guys can come in and do self-service and pick a t-shirt size namespace. And a namespace is, is a logical boundary around resources to maybe run applications. So there's integration of Kubernetes in vSphere Plus. And so you can get into that conversation early on. Now that might take a year to finally come to fruition, but ARIA is also, there's parts of ARIA integrated in this. And so when you have a discussion around ARIA, which is cross-cloud management, you might find that the customer is also running VMC on AWS or VMC on GCP or, or Azure. You might then be able to get your major stakeholder, VI admin, to knock down one of those silos and connect with the cloud ops team and then discuss multi-cloud, cross-cloud management using ARIA. So the idea that ARIA now comes in and manages your vSphere Plus Maybe you still have legacy vSphere that you're waiting to move to vSphere Plus, and then you also have VMC on AWS. Now, ARIA now becomes this cross-cloud cloud ops capability. So highly encouraged to start at 120 days. Look at this for what it is. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of a upsell, cross-sell opportunity. I mean, I haven't even mentioned the fact that vSAN Plus integrates so tightly it shares the same subscription ID. So vSphere Plus and vSAN Plus. Really quickly okay. before we um, move out of that, yeah. I just wanted to ask what's the best way to test this out, assuming we get the 120-day runway you recommend? And are there demo environments or proof-of-concept programs where customers can try this out themselves? Yeah. So we have um, the ability to download the code and put it into a lab and test it. Now, Make sure that you don't convert your production because then you can't unconvert during the demo. So you don't want to demo your, your production. But there's software that you can download and, 
and test out in their labs a vSphere Plus, and you can test out the gateway, and you can you can uh, do some assessment testing and so forth. That sounds great. Yeah. Uh, learning through our conversation uh, before this, I thought of vSphere as a virtualization stack, and now hearing about vSphere Plus more, I'm thinking more of a vSphere environment. It sounds more than that with vSphere Plus. Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, we've grown vSphere from virtualization, you know, industry leading in, uh, virtualization to a, what we call an SDDC stack. It's like a cloud on-prem kind of thing. But vSphere Plus, definitely, I'm convinced that it's like an enterprise platform. Uh, the way that, uh, the reason why I think that is because we offer things like Kubernetes runtime, which you can build out into a, a, a Kubernetes platform. So you can run your modernized applications you know, in containers right, with, uh, with Tanzu Kubernetes. That is built out from the vSphere Plus platform. You know, you can set up capabilities like self-service namespace, right? So, and the another thing is, is you can integrate tightly the, the vSAN if you want simple storage. vSAN Plus shares the same subscription ID, right? So it's really tightly integrated, meant to be uh, coexistent, the, the two of them. Um, if you have disaster recovery need, uh, VCDR we call it, and you can integrate VCDR into the vSphere Plus. Uh, and then if you have like VMC on AWS, uh, some people are moving to the, to the cloud and I, I, I still want that consistent VMware look and feel. But now I want cross-cloud management. ARIA now integrates into vSphere Plus. So using vSphere Plus as sort of the base platform, that base enterprise platform, building it out, with storage for vSAN Plus, sharing the same subscription ID, vCDR capabilities, then integrating management, and then being able to manage your uh, states in those public clouds and cross-cloud management. So those are some of the things that would make me think of vSphere Plus as a enterprise platform, much more than the virtualization stack. With customers moving to term, what is the grace period with this renewal? What would it look like if they go past this grace period? And what would they lose access to their account? If they lose cloud connectivity, would they lose anything on-prem also at their site? Yeah, that's a great question. That's the question of, will VMware turn off my software if I don't pay? Uh, and the short answer is no. Uh, um, but I need to go down a level or two and describe it. This is consumption-based relationship. It's not CapEx like we talked about. So the, the customer will see the... Uh, Subscription start stop dates. The partner who sold it will see that in the Cloud Partner Navigator. VMware will see it. And we will have intentional conversations together to figure out how to continue to improve that VMware environment it's, it, and hopefully go beyond vSphere Plus into the other areas of you know, integrated products like vSAN Plus and Kubernetes and so forth. So I don't see a scenario where we've had all these conversations and the customer still says, or the organization says, oh, I refuse to pay because it puts their environment at risk. So I don't foresee that being a scenario ever happening, uh, and I don't see us ever saying, fine, then we're going to shut your environment off. Because I, what I see is consumption-driven conversations leading to benefits to the customer. Well, there'll be greater and greater interest in making sure that that environment is better and better. Right. Now, the other part you talked about, which may or may not have anything to do with, you know, the question, what happens if the cloud gateway drops, right? Will customers still have access to their environment? And the answer is yes. So the cloud gateway does not mean 
that the organization cannot still manage their on-prem environment. We have like ELM that allow them still have access to their vCenters. They'll still be able to see their ESXi hosts. They'll be, still be able to manage and operate their environment. It just won't, if the cloud gateway goes down, they won't have access to the benefits of the cloud gateway, but they will still have full functional uh, environment with the ability to manage it. Right. Uh, my next question would be, is there a trial version with vSphere Plus? Can we try it out and what would that look like? Yeah, if I had a link, I'd give it to you. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> but there is, is a link to uh, trial software. And again, probably put it in the lab. Don't, don't try it in a production environment because once you make the conversion to subscription, you can't unconvert. So uh, yeah, there's a downloadable demo that you can install and, and try it out, definitely. That's great. Do you know how long our customers can have that trial version for? Yeah, I believe it's 60 days. 60 days, that's great. Yeah. I guess a little side note, um, is there compatibility with vSphere Plus, vSphere subscription, and then the traditional on-prem vSphere option that we have? Yeah, great question. You know, at a high level, vSphere Plus is itself its own estate. Legacy vSphere is its own estate. Uh, so we would see a mixed environment most of the time because the customer is still planning to move to vSphere Plus, uh, but their SNS expiration date hasn't come close enough. So we, we see those mixed environments, but they're transitioning to a vSphere Plus estate. So we'll have customers with both, but they're moving to a vSphere Plus environment. Um, but the two are, for the most part, treated mostly separately. Now, I'll, I'll answer another question uh, that, that made me uh, think about. So there's the perpetual vSphere. There's the subscription vSphere without the cloud gateway. So there's three versions of, uh, of vSphere. So there's legacy vSphere perpetual. Then there's vSphere subscription without a cloud gateway, and that's called TLSS. And then there's vSphere Plus, which is subscription. So there's three versions of that. So you could see an environment with all three of those. So I just wanted to make sure you know that there's those three SKUs. Great question, Olivia. My next one is, when will there be a timeline for vSphere Plus to be in the federal space and have a Fed SKU? Short answer is I don't know. We know that it's somewhat complicated to get FedRAMP certified, and uh, I, I, I'm not aware where it sits on our roadmap. I, I don't have a good answer other than the fact that for as far as I can see on the roadmap, it's not an option. Right. Well, the honest answer is the best one <laughs> with this kind of thing. Um, Mike, it's been so great having you. Uh, before we head out, I did want to ask you, is there anything that you would like to discuss? I think so. We talked about a lot. You know, we're one third of the way through our journey as a company to SaaS and subscription. I think you can anticipate or expect that we'll look like a company that wants to be 100% SaaS and subscription. So, um, you know, we ask our, our organizations and customers and partners all to align with that. We've structured our partner community, uh, our partner Connect 2.0. Uh, it aligns with our motion towards SaaS and subscription. Our, our salespeople are aligned with SaaS and subscription, right? And all of our services and future products are, are in, with intention to be SaaS and subscription. So I think 
just knowing that might clear some confusion, you know, with, with questions that I haven't answered. That would, that would be what I would say. But we're enthusiastic about the, the stuff that's going on inside of VMware. And I'm glad that I'm in this spot, and I hope I can come back and talk some more about it as, as more and more success happens. We'd love to have you back. You've been great. You've answered all of our many questions on this subject, so thank you. Oh, you're welcome.